Today's show is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America easy. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey, making it incredibly easy to compare options and book your vacation and letting Omeo save you time and money. I know I'm looking forward to using it to compare different ways of reaching the same destination on my next vacation. Are you ready to get out and travel? Omeo wants to help by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head over to omeo.com, O-M-I-O.com, and use the code LISTENER5, all in caps in the number 5, when you check out. The code's valid until July 31st for new users on all modes of transportation at Omeo, where you can plan, book, and love your journey. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief guide, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. And if you haven't done it yet, be sure to pop over to mightyparenting.com and grab the email series there on how to talk to your teen. You'll get a few quick changes, ideas to use in your communications over a couple of weeks. And in that couple of weeks, you can have a pretty big impact on your communication and your relationship with your teenager. Self-confidence is essential for emotional wellness and also for success. Yet it's something that many of our kids are lacking. Sherry Medini sees this all the time in her work. She is the co-author of Parenting While Working From Home and the co-owner of AdoreThemParenting.com, and she helps parents find the joy in parenting. Well, today she is talking to us about helping our kids create more joy by building self-confidence in our teenagers. Sherry, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am excited to have this conversation because this is something that a lot of parents see and it it hurts your heart when you see your child not feeling good about themselves, not having that self-confidence. And what I'd like to know from you though is, yes, I know that hurts our parents' hearts, but from our kids' standpoint, like why is confidence so important? What does it do for our kids? Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. It can be heartbreaking to see, and it can make you feel helpless. Like, what do I do? And even for the kids, you know, if, if they're in a situation where they're feeling less than confident, where they're struggling with who they are, where they fit into this world, they also don't know what steps to take. It can feel, they can feel really stuck in that position. And when I work with teenagers, preteens, even younger kids, even older kids, um, young adults, that I kept seeing this in them, that we were seeing other concerns, other issues, um, other frustrations and struggles. But what it really seemed to stem from was a lack of confidence. And if we could work on that, that core confidence, then 
the other stuff started to fall into place a little bit better, or they were at a better starting point, had a better foundation to build off of, to make more and more changes in their lives. So you said that you saw kids because of other situations, other issues, other concerns. They didn't come to you saying, I lack self-confidence or the parents didn't come to you saying my child lacks self-confidence. So what were the things that they were coming from that oftentimes stemmed from actually lacking self-confidence? Right. So I used to work as a mindset coach for gymnasts. So in the gymnastics world, fear is a really big thing. And a lot of times the parents would be coming because you know, my daughter is stuck. She won't go for these skills or she practices well and she doesn't compete well. And when we were looking at things in an athletic realm, things look a little bit more black and white, right? That, you know, you can see firsthand, they're not performing up to their potential. And when we dove into that and dug a little bit deeper, we were able to usually find that this is stemming from a lack of confidence. So In the sports world, that becomes a little bit more clear. It's pushed to the front. But when we're talking about school or peer relationships or family dynamics, it can be a little bit more vague because nobody's scoring, you know, how your family conversation went or, you know, nobody's scoring how they did in that peer interaction. So we were seeing things where um, kids will it can really vary child to child. Some people are going to withdraw, um, not put themselves out there, not put themselves in a situation where they could potentially fail. They're going to intentionally hold themselves back, intentionally lower the bar for themselves so that the expectations drop a little bit. Or sometimes we see that, that overconfidence appearance, I'm going to talk a big game. I'm going to put other people down, um, as a way to make them try to make themselves feel better. We know that doesn't work, but I have seen both ends of that spectrum. And when you were talking about family dynamics, my brain went off and started, because initially I was thinking about school and activities and things like that. And like you said, our kids not living up to their potential. That's something as parents that we see, or maybe mm-hmm. not even not living up to their potential, but say when they're you know starting middle school or starting high school or starting college, and they're not joining clubs or organizations, they're not trying out for sports. They're like, just not trying things. Not putting themselves out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, And it comes from that place of fear, which is what you said at the beginning. I I have it underlined here. You know, fear is a really big thing. And I think we forget as parents how scary those things are for kids to do. Things that we think shouldn't be a big deal, but it really is a big deal for them. It is. Things that we think shouldn't be a big deal is because we have a lot more life experience. We've already failed at bigger things. We've already had harder conversations. We've already made and lost more friends. But when your life history is, you know, 20 years or less, (laughs) then everything does automatically feel like a bigger deal. And it can be heavy to them. So us brushing that off 
isn't helpful. I do, I do think that we can help give some perspective, but even in the context, you know, it, it makes me chuckle that like when I'm, when I went into my kids' elementary school for, you know, back to school nights, when they, when they first started and I was running into friends that I knew in high school and people that, uh, you know, acquaintances from high school. And here we were back in, you know, our hometown and running into those same people. And for me, that's something, instead of saying, you know, oh, it's not a big deal saying like, these relationships do matter. Like be kind to the people around you. You never know who's going to end up as a fellow parent in your kid's classroom, you know, a couple years down the road that like, we don't know who, who we're going to run into at future stages in our lives. So I do think we can offer some perspective so that it doesn't feel like the end of the world, but we also need to give them those skills to get through things when it does feel really heavy. I like that, that combination of perspective and skills. So the perspective goes more into talking. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to add my two cents here. This goes around this communication concept. And we talk about it a lot here at Mighty Parenting. Parents, we have to remember that while we have more experience just coming in and dumping it on our kids, as Sherry mentioned, I loved your phrase. It's just not very welcome. (laughs) That's not what they want from us. That doesn't help them feel heard. So we can help them gain perspective and we need to do that carefully through asking questions and kind of that coaching relationship. Sherry, do you have specific advice for us? Because again, we're talking here about building self-confidence. So I think a parent swooping in and going, you don't need to worry about this. This is the way things are, or yes, I've already had these experiences. Trust me, you don't have to worry about it. Not only does that tend to shut down our teens from a communication standpoint, it seems like that would also be counterproductive to building their self-confidence. Sure. So really trying to approach those conversations as less of like a lecture and more of like, here's me sharing a story. Um, Here's something that I experienced. But if we can get into that habit of communicating in that way, sharing the, the good stuff and the not so great stuff with our kids, they understand that we are human too, but we're also able to show them how we were able to overcome things ourselves, or maybe not, you know, it's okay to share those moments that like, Oh, when I was your age, I did this and it was so embarrassing, but I'm here today, you know, and it's okay to pass along when it's age appropriate, those types of life stories without feeling like we need to like communicate the moral as well that it's okay for a story to just be a story, to share experiences, to, as a way, if once we let them into our own lives, they're able to see that we also have emotions, that we also have things that we're working through and that they're not alone in that. As you were talking, what came to me was sharing the story. If, if something relevant happened to us that we can share the story. I love your idea of saying, don't point out the moral so we can just share the story, but then we can do something like, so this is what happened to me. This is how it felt for me. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about what happened to you. And what does that feel like for you to, 
to let them know that yes, we're sharing an experience and we're not assuming that our experience is their experience. We're not assuming that we know how they feel and we're letting them be heard along the way. Yeah. I love it. And I, that, that piece of what did it feel like is so important. And we're able to, through those conversations, we're able to add that emotional vocabulary that, you know, mad is not the same thing as sad or jealous or embarrassed or whatever that might be that, you know, that might look similar from the outside, but if we can really build that emotional vocabulary to help them convey what they're truly feeling and put words to that, that's going to help us be able to support them, but it's also going to help them be able to process things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you talked about adding emotional vocabulary. I feel like that's crossing over now a little, we've got a little conversation going and we're crossing over into some skills. What yeah. are some of the skills we want our kids to learn to help them out here? So when we're looking to build confidence in kids, like you said, what, what is that? You know, if you're going to be like, Hey, go be confident. That doesn't (laughs) mean a whole lot. Right. So how we can build that one of the, the ways that we can do that is looking back on their past successes. And that does not mean, you know, you won this soccer game or you aced this test. Those can be included But what are those little wins? Like you were there for a friend when they were really upset. That was amazing. Not everybody would do that. Um, You helped out your brother, you know, or you helped out mom. Like what are those, those little things and those big things in your past that really show um, some amazing things about you and taking the time to like encourage to be like, Hey, I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes. I want you to, if, if they're open to this, but if they're on board, you know, I want you to write down a whole bunch of positive things about yourself. What have you accomplished? What are your natural strengths? What are things that come easy for you? What are things that you really enjoy doing and create a really positive piece of paper that does genuinely reflect because we have this tendency as humans to reflect on where we're falling short, where we need to improve. Um, you know, we, we circle through those, those negative experiences and we need to bring the positive stuff to the forefront and we have to be really purposeful about it. So it sounds like the conversation in, in looking at the, the wins past successes we want to maybe focus on our values rather than worrying about things that kids normally get accolades and awards for, because they already know that they already got the accolades and the awards. And, and yes, that we don't want to negate that. But what I heard you talking about were more of things that we value as a family and things that they have control over. So, you know, going back to the gymnastics example, you know, did you, you don't have control over the judges. You don't have control over what the other athletes are doing. You have control over you and your routine. So did you go out there and did you do your best? And that goes into the classroom. You know, I will talk with my own kids that, you know, my son will bring home hundred percent on a test. And I'm like, you know, was it easy for you? He's like, oh yeah, it was really easy. And I was like, okay, good. I'm glad you didn't make any silly mistakes, but you know, maybe we need to look for a little more of a challenge compared to something that maybe he brings home 
something with not a perfect grade, but he was like, it was really hard. I studied hard for it. And I'm proud of what I accomplished that, you know, what do we have control over? What are those things that we are working towards and that we're making those choices, um, in our day-to-day lives and highlighting that so that our kids can start to unravel, like, who am I? Like what, what sets me apart? Because I think we're all searching for where do I fit in, but before we can find like, where do I fit in? We have to figure out who we are. Okay. I like that. Who am I? And what did you say? What am I searching for? No. What did I, you- <laughs> I, well, your guess is as good as mine, but, okay. but yeah, but it's essentially, who am I? well, it's, it's looking at what's important to me. What do they value? And that could be part of the conversation too. I said, focus on values. That might be part of the conversation is what do you value? Even in there, you said, I know that you were talking about um, trying to give them credit for when they struggle and also deciding that not everything should get a hundred percent of our effort. I think that alone is an achievement for our kids to go, like you said, who am I? What's good for me? Where do I want to put my energy and my focus? And maybe an achievement for them is actually to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to not play the travel sport, or I'm not going to play the high school sport. I'm going to do this as the rec league. Yes. Because I don't want to put all that time and effort into this. I am more interested, or I think this is more important. And I want to put my time and energy into this thing, or I'm okay getting a C in this class because this other class is more important for me, for my growth or for what I want to do with my life or whatever. But to have those conversations with them around the, who are you and what do you value? And okay, now where are you putting the effort and where are you growing? That was our biggest learning lesson with the virtual school struggles (laughs) that Um, through the last, you know, when we were doing that learning format, there were a lot of challenges to it, but something that I prioritized was teaching my kids that you do not need to give 110% to every single thing that sometimes good enough is good enough. And it's going to keep us all a little bit more sane, but it's also going to allow you to pursue those interests and excel in those areas that, that come a little bit more naturally for you and that you are more passionate about that. You know, my one kid is very much like, you know, math science kid, like great run with that. Spend your time there. Do you need to know how to read and write? Yes. We need to, you know, make sure that, that all of that is there, but I'm okay if you phone it in a little bit more and you meet the requirements and, um, you know, that, that you're, I think just giving them that control of where not everything has to be perfect. How are we going to be purposeful about this? Because if it's just coming from a place of like, I'm just going to not try, I'm going to give up on that. Like, the stuff still has to happen. We still have to kind of meet some sort of bar. You can't fail out, right, mm-hmm. of that particular class. But giving that autonomy to them to really steer the ship 
even that, it shows that you trust them. It shows that even that alone is building confidence, right? To be able to show them, like, I trust you to run with this. I'm here if you need a little bit of help, if we get a little bit off track, but I'm going to trust that you're able to follow what means the most to you. Okay. So I'm hearing that we can help them gain perspective we can um, help them look at past successes and especially those small things, the value-based things. And we can give them autonomy, which I love that idea because that's, again, something that we're trying to do in many areas for many reasons at Mighty Parenting. And so I love the, the ideas that build on what we're already doing so it doesn't make parenting this list of 5,000 different things you have to do. Right. We're, we're just building our own skill set and gaining some confidence for ourselves in our parenting. Are there other things that maybe we can do that we should be aware of? So something else, it's another like practical tool um, that I like to share with this is, you know, the, the fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? But framing this in a way of what do confident people do? So an exercise I will do is that I ask um, whoever's listening to think about a confident person. So picture that confident person in your life. Why do you think they're confident? What, what is their body language communicating? How do they talk? What kind of things do they talk about? Um, what do they look like? Like, why do you think they're confident? And when we look at that and when we start to understand another fun exercise I'll, I'll do if I'm in front of a, a room of people is that I will stand there, you know, shoulders slouched, looking down, kind of fidgeting with my hands. And I'll say, make me look confident. And they'll be like, stop moving, stand still, put your head up, smile. Um, you know, those kind of things. So it is there are a checklist of a couple items that if you stand firm in your space, you look up, you put a pleasant expression on your face and you communicate positively, guess what? You start to look confident to the outside world. And the amazing thing that's happening is when you look confident, people start to treat you differently. They treat you with more confidence, right? They trust you with more things. They feel more comfortable around you. And that in turn actually builds your inner confidence. So this is a situation where it's okay to carry yourself with maybe a little more confidence than what you're feeling currently inside of you. But that, that as long as you're doing the work to build that inner confidence, you can gain something from the outer appearance as well. Well, and that I hadn't thought about it, but I don't know, it was a couple of years ago, maybe where there was all the talk about the, like the Superman pose, the power right. pose. And it does it's, our body language, not only speaks to other people, it speaks to our own brain. Right. And so taking on those few habits or those few physical changes and making them habits is, it sounds like it'll be kind of a cycle. So one, it starts impacting our kid's brain right away. Two, other people see it. They start treating our kids differently and then our kids pick up on that. And so it just, it kind of turns into this upward spiral. 
Yeah. And it's a fun, easy activity that you can do with your kids. You can be goofy about it. That You can walk into the kitchen and be like, all right, make me look confident, you know, and you can kind of be goofy about it and then talk that, talk through that. And, you know, when they head to school, you can walk down the hall a little bit more confidently. It doesn't mean you have to go strut your stuff and, you know, make yourself stand out, but people will approach you differently. If your child is struggling with, you know, you're sitting there in class and they're kind of, they're feeling closed off. They're feeling less than they're feeling like they don't have somebody there, but can you be approachable? Because I guarantee you the people that are also sitting in your class, your classmates are also struggling with very similar things. And if you are not feeling super confident in yourself, you're not going to go up to the person that might shut you down, might be cruel to you. And even though that's not your intention, you have to make sure that your body language is communicating that you're open to those relationships and that you're open to those conversations. Okay. So are there things that we as parents unintentionally, subconsciously, or with the best of intentions do that actually end up undermining our kids' confidence or preventing them from developing strong self-confidence? I mean, how often are we harping on the things they're doing wrong? You know, why your towel's on the floor again? Like what, how hard is this? Or, you know, all of these little things we, it can sound very nitpicky to our kids. And when life is busy and we're all running in all these different directions that we forget to highlight the positives as well. And I can tell you from experience that it can feel really strange to get into the habit of highlighting those positives. It can feel fake almost because you're not used to doing it. Um, but we just have to put words to it. Like, you know, just this morning, my, my son, he was being really kind to his brother yesterday and I didn't compliment him on that. You know, I knew he was doing things with his brother that he wasn't actually interested in, but he was doing them because they made his brother happy. And I recognized that, but I didn't verbalize that to him. So I was intentional this morning when I realized like, oh, I let all of that play out, but I want to encourage that. And so it took, you know, 10 seconds to be like, Hey buddy, like, thank you for doing that. Like you're a really good brother to him. I know that you would have preferred to do other things, but that made him so happy. And we both smiled and, you know, went our own ways, but like those little touch points. Um, the other thing is not assuming your kid is already cycling through a lot of the negatives. They, if they bring home something that they're not super proud of, they probably already know. They know when they messed up. They know, you know, if, if they didn't do something that, that meets those family values or whatever that is. So really trying to avoid piling on and acknowledging, you know, hmm, maybe this wasn't the best situation. I know you're capable of more than that. That's not really the expectation, but like what happened and giving them that platform to share that instead of jumping right to the solution um, and trying to fix that, especially in the moment when our kids are, when something fresh happened, that's not the time to process it. 
that's the time to provide some support. And then when they're in a better place, we can start to build up and, and problem solve, if that makes sense. It does. And again, it ties into the idea, the way that we talk about communicating with our kids. So when they come home and this thing has happened, like you said, instead of trying to problem solve, even in that moment, when you get to it, if the conversation is more about, okay, so you told me this happened. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? What do you feel about that? Give them the opportunity to share with you because they may have already figured it out and come up with a plan for dealing with it. Yeah. But nobody likes getting hammered on and beaten down, especially like you said, it's just piling on when they're already facing something difficult. So I really like that idea of just being supportive in the moment, you know, just being in that space of, it seems like you had a really bad day. Right. Or even, is there anything I can do for you right now? And then, yeah, like you said, when it's not so fresh, then you can go in with, so you told me that you didn't make the team, you failed the test, you had a fight with your friend, you had whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but you told me this happened. Well, what, what was going on with that? Like, why do you think that happened? How did it feel to you? And just open that up for them to converse with you with the acknowledgement that if you just, if that's the first time you've asked questions that way, you know, you might not get a lot of response. We've got to do it for a while before they realize we're not going to jump in, pile on, take over and try and solve it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a time and a place too, when we're talking about that, how are we going to solve that moving forward? That, you know, if, if you're not feeling confident about tomorrow's test, you know, you're feeling a little bit nervous, whatever, is there a reason for that? Like, Mm. did you study? Did you understand the material? Um, You know, did you do what you needed to do to prepare yourself as best as possible to walk in there feeling a little bit more confident? Because, that's a different conversation, right? That just feeling nervous, but why, you know, are you needlessly feeling nervous? Do we need to work on kind of that, the the outside in again? Do we need to take those deep breaths? Do you need to do some muscle relaxation? Like, is this a physical response or have, are you not well enough prepared to walk into this situation? And you know, even in navigating their own relationships? Like, are you feeling nervous about having to go talk to this person? Is there anything you can do to go prepare for that situation? Um, you know, can you kind of have that script in your head of what you're going to say and, and kind of play out those kind of things? So um, the preparation role is really big that if we can help our kids prepare in a positive way, help them see all, you know, I think we're more of a facilitator then um, we don't want to give them the blueprint, right? Because our blueprint is very different than theirs. But if we can help them brainstorm, help them see the other sides, help them see more perspectives, hopefully they can come to the best decision for themselves and feel like they were the ones that came up with that. Mm -hmm. This inside outside idea is so helpful I had not really thought of this. And again, as parents, when our kids are worrying about a test, I think we tend to just jump to, did you study? Did you prepare? Well, if you did, then you're fine. But to recognize that there are these two components and, and I'm saying test, it could be, again, as an athlete or a musician or some other kind of performer, it could be any kind of an event that they're going to. 
but did you do what you needed to do to prepare? Like that's kind of that outside piece, doing the external things, doing the tasks, doing the preparation. Okay, if you did that, then help them work on the internal part. How do we deal with stress, anxiety, worry, pressure, and give them tools for that, which are very different tools from do the tasks to prepare. Like yes. those are two separate skill sets. And I, I appreciate that you have brought that out to us that we can teach them those two skill sets. Yeah. And these are all things that I wish I had learned at a younger age, right? But I wish I had some of those, those coping tools. It's not mind-blowing. It doesn't sound mind-blowing to be like, oh, taking some deep breaths actually calm down your system. But it works. It works amazingly well. And for whatever reason, we do seem to need those reminders. I still need those reminders, right? Before I go do something I'm nervous about, I have to remind myself to take a deep breath. Um, you know, so once we can make some of those a little bit more of a habit, but you're right, there are different tools for different situations. Um, but overall, and I think so much of what you consistently talk about is that piece of tuning in and giving them space to figure out what do I need? What can I do? How can I move forward um, in a way that makes sense for me? Mm -hmm. Well, and as a stress relief coach, I could tell you one of the reasons that people don't just take those deep breaths is because they take one and it didn't take away every bit of anxiety or worry sure. or we have. So parents, you need to, when you're doing deep breaths, it takes several. And depending how wound up you are, how far your thoughts have gone down the rabbit hole, it can take, you might feel a little bit better after one or two, and it might take a couple minutes of proper right. breathing, deep breathing to send the signal to your brain that you are safe. Cause that's all you're really doing with those deep breaths is you're saying, Hey brain, I'm safe. Did you notice this? I have time to breathe deeply. I'm safe. <laughs> right. So Sherry, this has been a really interesting discussion for anyone who wants more from you. Where can they find you online? Sure. If you go to adorethemparenting.com, you'll be able to find all of our resources there. Well, thank you again for joining us today for these insights and tips. It is very much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, Mighty Parents, for being here, for listening, for sharing the podcast with other parents who can benefit from the, our guest insights. I appreciate that. Remember that you can visit MightyParenting.com to grab the communication free email series. And also remember that if you're here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. <laughs>